Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. So you can talk about all of the different, then you probably need to be careful about it. The more stuff you list, the more it looks like you're, because I wanted to be able to represent uh, my First one is, in the past, I've taken on temporary positions in different practice areas. How should I um, address these short-term experiences in my resume uh, to avoid um, giving the impression um, that I lack uh, commitment in my direction or legal career? Okay, so that's a good a good point. So temporary positions will typically mean that you've been a contract attorney, and that's actually sometimes okay. And there's different ways of approaching that. Now, sometimes people are contract attorneys because they like the flexibility. So I've seen in, in my uh, career, uh, lots of people uh, that became contract attorneys and, and, and actually retired uh, very early because they were able to uh, save a lot of money. And then after doing that, just went into other careers. I've seen other people transition from being contract attorneys to full-time attorneys in, in large law firms and, and doing so based on performing well as a contract attorney. But one of the issues here that you're talking about is you're trying to say you you lack commitment or direction in your legal career. So one way, I, I think I may have um, talked about this earlier in today's webinar, would try to make yourself look like you have an e-discovery focus. So you can talk about all of the different things that you did with e-discovery and then and leave it at that. And so having different kind of varied experiences in something like e-discovery can help you. And that's actually, that's a real practice area where uh, people can do very well in law firms, meaning I've seen people make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing that. Now, so you can focus things that way. Now, another way to do that would be, you may talk about, you could sometimes list multiple firms on your resume that you may have done that type of work for, and then list it under, list this under your experience and just talk about saying you were a discovery attorney or something along those lines or what that experience was. Now, the, the biggest thing to understand though is once you become a, a contract attorney, it, it is, even though people do it because they want to earn money, it, it is a little dangerous because you're suddenly, you're not permanent, uh, even though the freedom is something that you get, but you're not permanent. The work generally is, work is generally not stuff that requires a lot of training. That can hurt you to some extent if you do that. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, but you never develop an expertise, which can hurt you up to an expertise. And, and then you're put at a disadvantage uh, because uh, it looks like um, you're willing to accept pay for a lower amount of money. So that's just how it works, but pay hourly and not a permanent position. So that's how that works. Now, um, I'm not saying this is able to be overcome because I'm going to show you what to do. But what that essentially means is if you're working as a contract attorney, there's different categories of firms. So I do this every week, but it's it always a lot of it comes back to this. So these are your most prestigious, almost impossible to get firms with, previous firms. They do bet the company work and that sort of thing. And so you th these are really the places that are just extremely difficult for any attorneys. Then you have your AMLAW 100, 200 firms, where by the way, most attorneys here could not get a job in a five firm, could never get a job in a five firm. So it's just something to keep in mind. And these are obviously, these clients have the most money. These clients have a lot of money. 
these clients, then you have mid-sized firms. These clients have not as much money. And then these are smaller firms representing firms representing individuals and small, small, smaller businesses. And these firms represent individuals. So this is the good news. So the good news is even if you're a contract attorney, as a contract attorney, you're probably not going to be able to get position unless you're doing e-discovery. These firms are pretty much off limits, but these firms are all within limits. So these firms do not pay as much. They are, but they're good places to get experience. And at these firms, you can actually get experience in a practice area that is marketable. So if you want to do company related work, there's more money to be made working for large companies or companies that have work. So you can make more money working for these companies or for these types of firms than you would be able to, then you can make more money if you work in these bigger firms that have big books that represent big companies, then you could work making, then you could make working for companies that are representing individuals. That's just how it works. If you're doing that, then you're obviously going to be much better off in the long run when you work for company, people that have more money. So all you need to do if you've been working as a contract attorney, and it's going to be difficult for you to get a job in one of these big firms, is just to start off lower. And the, this could be doing wills for individuals. This could be doing wills for wealthy individuals. This could be doing wills and for even or trust and estates work for even larger clients. And this, this is some primarily companies, really companies, a few individuals. And this is the same thing as primarily individual or primarily individuals, some companies. So individuals have less money. So they, the more individuals you're representing, the more you can uh, do different types of work. So this is actually a very good question. But the idea is if you have things on your resume that aren't focused, you have to take uh, pretty much a lower paying job to start. And, and when you take a lower paying job, you can move your way up to not to five firms, and but even four firms as possible. You can move your way up if you're able to have different sorts of, if you have uh, this sort of experience. Okay, so let me go here. In the context of a legal job search, are there specific strategies for candidates with non-traditional backgrounds, such as those transitioning from a different industry or coming from a diverse range of educational backgrounds to craft their resume? Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So many times when you come from a, a non-traditional background, like you may have been doing something completely unrelated, sometimes you just leave that experience off and you can you you can go and just go into your go into your resume related to your legal experience even if you have 10 years of experience working in a corporation or something you can just go into your resume based on legal experience other times you can you can list you can list what you did and uh, this is actually very good if you want to be in that practice area if you're doing if patent law when you were an engineer or an engineer, that could be helpful. And then you could list your engineering experience, list that. So that could be helpful. And that, and then now you're doing patent, which is a move up. And you, you can do that. You can do things like if you were in real estate, now I want to be a real estate attorney, you know, that. So if, if things are related, then that's actually good. And, and if it looks like you're moving up uh, in something related, that's very good. So that can help you. Now, if it's un completely unrelated, then you probably need to be careful about it and and you need to basically be careful what you need to make sure you do you need to make sure that that being an attorney 
and this is a big rule here. So I hope if you're in this situation and you're watching this, I hope you understand it. You need to make sure that being an attorney looks like a move up. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not gonna find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So if it doesn't look like a move up, then it's going to be a problem. If you were in a position or in a position where you were giving orders to important people, important people, that's not good. If you were, if you were in a position. So one example that I had is I was working not too long ago with someone that had gone to medical school and then had become a doctor and then was a dean of a law school and then decided to become not a law school of a of a medical school and then decided that they wanted to become a a lawyer and then people were like no it's like why would we want someone that was formerly the head of a big medical school working for us and so that person had a really hard time the other person that had people that have a hard time are entrepreneurs so entrepreneurs are people that started and run businesses and and been independent businesses and and been independent. So that can hurt them. So you just, you have to understand, you have to make sure if you've done other experience, you have to make sure that being an attorney looks like a move up and not down. If it looks like a move down, then then the law firms are going to think that that you're not going to stick around. Law firms look for, there's a bunch of things, but I, I talk about this in most webinars and questions, but a bunch of things that law firms look for. They look, they look at, will you stick around? Will you do the job long-term? Meaning stick around, meaning stick around. Will you, can you be managed? Managed, do you want the job? Do we like you? You um, And then can you do the job? Meaning do you have the skills? The pro- skills and actually skills, motivation, skills and endurance. Meaning if you're someone that's gonna be expected to work 200 hours a month, are you really going to want to do that if you've been having your own business or thing? Who knows? But uh, you need to be very careful to do that. Okay, this next question. So you mentioned the importance of aligning one's uh, resumes to with the needs of a potential employer. What strategies can job seekers use to tailor their resumes for smaller niche firms that might not have a widely recognized plan? So a smaller niche firm, and this question means there are law firms that do like only corporate transactional work for smaller businesses that only do that there's firms that might do only like appellate litigation and things like that. So it doesn't matter if the firm has a, a recognized brand or not. Niche firms have the same same hiring standards, the same considerations or that large law firms have for being for have for for hiring uh, people, people that are focused. So it's the exact same thing. 
and often more so it's the same thing. So they they still the the large law firms really want focus. Um, and and so you, you need to be aware of that. Okay. So you know, large law firms want focus, but niche law firms actually niche law firms want more focus. Firms want just as much focus, and actually sometimes even more want just as much focus. Often more. All right. So let's see. Okay. So this is a good question. How do I? These are really good questions today. They're not as long as last week's, but they're very good. How do I address potential concerns of employers who may view my specialization as limiting? Are there ways to frame my specialization as an asset rather than a constraint on my career potential? So here's just how it works again. So I'll go down the thing. Three, two, one, five, four. Most specialized, very specialized, 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 less specialized, um, somewhat specialized, and then special, maybe specialized, somewhat possibly specialized. So one of the problems is when you start working in the most sophisticated firms, most of the time, the specialization that you're going to need is going to be related to having been, is going to be related to being basically in a position where where you may have a practice area that is, you're not going to have as many options as you might with a little bit more less specialized areas. I remember there used to be a, it's no longer in existence. It merged with Sidley and Austin uh, a long time ago, but it used to be called Brown and Wood. And it was this law firm in New York that where people tended to, where there were different types of corporate attorneys and some of them were so specialized. There was literally only a couple other law firms in the world in New York that did it. So that would be the example of being too specialized. But most practice areas, if you're specialized, that's actually okay. The only thing that you're doing when you're in a very specialized practice area is you may be limiting yourself to to to, to having a little bit more difficult time working in firms. But also, the way it works, it's important to understand is lot larger the law firm, the more specialized they typically are. The larger the law firm and market market meaning the largest markets are going to be most specialized, and then the smaller markets are going to be less specialized because there's just not many attorneys. So they need to do everything. So the attorneys need to do everything. So what I'm talking about is really in your mid-sized to larger markets, you, you need to be more specialized. Specialized, you need to do more than one. So that's what I'm talking about there is that in your in your smaller markets, they need to do more than one thing because there's just not a lot of attorneys there. If you are a generalist, you're better off being a generalist in a smaller market uh, where you want to live than, than doing so in a larger market uh, because larger markets, the clients are typically go to the largest cities in order to find specialists. So it's just uh, very important to understand that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this real quickly uh, just because this is very common on resumes. I've read conflicting advice about whether to include a career objective or summary statement on resume in the context of committing myself to a specialist. Should I use a statement? If so, no, absolutely not. You don't want to use these things at the top of your resume. Most of the time uh, when people do this, the reason they're doing it is because they went to a resume company when they lost their jobs in a jobs in a in a company corporation generally <laughs> they go to them or they're just they're older can't find jobs cannot find jobs and bored i don't know bored and thinking and thinking a better resume i'll just tell you how did i learn this when i first saw it i remember 
my mother had essentially taken retirement from her company when she was actually, she became a recruiter. She became first, she took a job when she was, had taken a buyout from the state where she worked and decided to go back to work and kept going to resume companies. And they kept writing all this stuff and trying to position her a certain way. And in the reality, what was going on is she was just older and no one would hire her because she just, she'd been doing a job of basically advocating for people that weren't hired because they were handicapped and so forth for the state. And, and now she wanted to do something else. So but you absolutely are not going to be most of the time, uh, th- this does not help you. Most of the time, the people that have this done are older attorneys that are thinking that summarizing all this will help them. These summaries and career objectives and so forth do not say anything. The only thing that talks, the only thing that makes that point is our, our your past experience. That's it, nothing else. So that's all you need to worry about is what you do and how you um, show your experience. Saying you're a committed generalist, it's capable of doing this and this um, doesn't help you. Your past experience is great, but your past experience is uh, presumed. So someone who's a a partner at a major law firm uh, may just list partner for a corporate corporate partner, partner specializing in corporate M&A or something, specializing in corporate M&A or early stage, I don't know, early stage technology company or something. That's it. They don't list like the 50 different things they've done in their, from when they were associated to a partner. They just they just list a few. They just go like that. That's it. You don't need the, the less is more many times. And the more stuff you list, the more it looks like you're trying to do things. The more you list an objective, you better hope that like hell, um, you have an objective. If you're 20 years, some of these resumes are like 30 plus years out of law school. You better help hope like hell um, that you have an objective. You, but your objective is going to come through based on all the past experiences you've done. And it's sad. I'm not trying to say that I'm not empathetic because I really am empathetic with everyone. And this is what I am. But it is sad that people do this and are told to do this when when they get older. Sometimes they think that keywords are picked up by machines and that's going to, which is somewhat true, and going to help them. But I don't know that I've ever placed an attorney out of the thousands of attorneys I've placed. And again, I want to be very clear about this because how important it is. I don't know if I've ever placed an attorney that has put um, these summaries at the top of the resume to use. So if you, I'm saying don't use the, that, but where you should emphasize this, you emphasize your focus in, in your experience. That's it. You emphasize it there and that's it. That's it. And, and then if you don't have a lot of focus, here's another thing you do. If you don't have a lot of focus, focus, say even less even less. Don't draw people, don't draw the law firms away from your lack of focus. You'd be crazy, right? Why would you do that? So you just list less. Okay, let me see. Wow, these are great questions today. Thank you for everyone who's asking these. This is another great question. So sometimes my passion for a particular practice area does not align with job market demand. I'm going to talk to you how to do that in a second. How can I balance between pursuing my passion and choosing a practice area that's more in demand to increase my job prospects? Okay, so there are some risky practice areas. And what are those practice areas? So your riskiest practice areas are always, corporate is risky. It's not risky when the market's good, risky. Not at all when it's 
not at all risky when the market's good. I mean, when market's good, the market is good, it's good, but risky when it's not. Okay, so that's corporate. And then less risky practice areas are generally things like insurance events. I'm just telling you, because insurance people, insurance companies are always representing people, litigation, patent, there's just some real estate risky, taxes risky, but so sometimes there's risky practice areas and then and then you often will have a lack of job market demand because of things. So when a risky practice area, if the economy slows, then corporate is obviously going to get a very bad. And and sometimes there are these less risky practice areas that can are in trust in the states actually isn't a risky one. Family law, not risky. There's just a bunch of these practice areas that are risky and less risky. So important to understand. So my point here, though, is that because of what's going on here with these practice areas, you need to understand that sometimes you may be in a practice area that may be in trouble. So a better ask, a better thing here would be, what is what do I do when my practice area is not in demand? And this is not in demand. So this is a very important question. If you are on this call and you, this is worth the price of admission because not, there's not enough cost for that. So what you do is you make sure that you start applying to, to different markets, if, I'm sorry, different markets or smaller markets or larger markets, wherever the, or larger, wherever the opportunity is. You need to start looking at different markets and you can figure out what you can do. There's a guide to bar reciprocity on BCG, whatever. You need to, you need to start looking at different markets. And that's really the smartest thing you can do. The more markets you look at, the more likely you are to get a job. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. If corporate slows down in, in a big market like Chicago, then you can start looking at suburbs of Chicago and jobs in other parts of Illinois. And then you can see where you can look at different markets or you can start working, looking at smaller firms, all that sort of stuff. So all you do when a, when your uh, practice area slows down is you can look at other markets. I, that's what I recommend doing. That works in all economies. And why does it work? It works because what happens is in when a when a when a practice area slows down in a different market in a certain market it typically will pick the smaller law firms can pick up people that normally wouldn't work there and that can be good for their clients the firms in smaller markets can pick up people that wouldn't normally work there but the big thing is because when a practice area is slowing down in big firms a lot of those companies still have work. They're just going to send the work to smaller firms that are less expensive. And that's actually good for you. You may go to a smaller firm and have a much better chance of making partner when you can bring in clients and everything. If you have great qualifications, then you might otherwise in another type of firm. Time for a couple more questions. These questions are so good that I'm actually going. 
Okay. So this is this is a good question. I think it's probably going to be the last question. I may take one after this. I'm telling my resident meticulously highlight my skills and experience, but I'm still struggling to secure a job offer. Could you share on common strategies that can make my resume stand up for competition? Sure. So one of the strategies, and that I recommend, and it's, it's actually a very easy one, is apply to firms that do not have openings. Openings. So an example would be, for example, example, you're a trust in the state's attorney and attorney in, in I don't know, in um, Quincy, Illinois, a small town. I don't know, Quincy, I guess Quincy's okay. How about Indianapolis or about, I don't know, or just do Quincy, Illinois. The idea is you would search for other attorneys. You could do Google and you could search for Google and search for those jobs, search for jobs, search for firms doing that work and all the firms doing that work and around Quincy and or wherever you would want to live in Illinois. So that's going to help you. That's a specialty. You can do that. So that's one strategy. Another strategy, and then you apply to those places, regardless of whether or not they have those jobs. So you them the, the big thing with applying with to firms without jobs that's very important is when you apply to firms without jobs, you are the only applicant. So you're that's automatically helps you. So automatically you're more likely to get a job. Because um, just because of that. So you need to keep that in mind, more likely to get a job. So if you do that, more firms are, if you're the only applicant, that makes it one of the most important things. Your resume automatically stands out. I had, I'll just tell you, I used to, not because I wanted to keep practicing law, but because I wanted to be able to represent uh, my company effectively in various legal disputes, I used to have a, um, in have a law firm basically and that i would do all my recruiting stuff in the entire history of that law firm only three or four people over 15 years ever submitted their resume with no jobs and and then two of them walked into the to the firm and asked to work there and one of them i hired and and, and out of the people that submitted their resumes without walking in i hired another one so think about that this was the one of the most smartest things anyone can do is apply to firms in your practice area with uh, out jobs. Your resume will stick out. Very few attorneys are sitting there and get people sending their resumes to them. It just doesn't happen. If you're doing that, you're going to automatically get positions. Now, some other uncommon strategies are applying to apply to firms in smaller markets that don't get a lot of applicants. That's huge. If you do that, you're also going to have a much better ability to get a job. And hopefully those, hopefully, hopefully ones without, hopefully firms are firms without openings. So that's going to help you as well in doing that. So those are some of the best, that's some of the best pieces of advice as I can tell you. Or the other one, another uncommon one is applied to firms that are one more prestigious, just and focus, focus on your press practice area, area or less prestigious. That's it. Um, so that's it. So if you do those, if you do those things, you're much more likely to stand out from the competition and get a job offer. It's just this works. And so I don't know how else to say it. And when I say searching Google, the reason I say that is because Google, Google finds every firm. And a lot of times 
the the, the jobs on the firms in different lists um, are just the ones that are paying that. So the firms in different lists are the ones that are paying them, ones paying to be there. Um, so and I do have um, a final suggestion, and this is actually self-centered. I usually don't talk about this, but I think it's actually one of the best ones. Um, we have a company or I do called Law Crossing. Um, what Law Crossing does is it it gathers uh, jobs from employer websites, uh, from companies, law firms, government, whatever, and, um, and and it gets firms firms from firms that do not have that are not on Indeed or Google for Jobs and so forth, and that it is very helpful. So having that ability to find those employers means that their firm websites, they're in, in places where Indeed and all these other job sites or LinkedIn, most of the time will charge employers to put their jobs there. And, and so without charging employers and doing all that research for you, it's a very good way to, to be able to do that. There's one other, um, and that's about it. Thank you everyone for being on this meeting today. I think we definitely covered a lot and hopefully just this piece of this advice that we covered this week can make a massive difference in your success so thanks again bye-bye that's all the time we have for this edition of the show if you are an attorney looking for a change head on to bcgsearch.com